guys. Uh, welcome to another drive home with me. Uh, we're just in the car. We're getting ready to head home from work. And I'm about to stick you in my cup holder so we can get on the way. Alright, how's that? You comfy? You good? Okay. As always, you got a seat belt first. I'm going to roll up the window just so, you know, mic sound and everything. So, I had a bad day at work. Not necessarily bad with the whole work part. I had an emotional day at work. And what that means is... I got very angry and that anger was based on the feeling of injustice and I believe in fairness and equality for everybody and I don't think anyone should get to play the system and I don't think anyone should have special rights. I think that everyone should just be equal and I don't think that's a lot to ask but for some reason oh, I, get, I seem to get set off on the regular as to injustices for welfare, how there are people who could work, who could easily work, who are living on welfare and living in low-income housing and playing the system. And this is totally off topic, but since we're driving, our brain is going to go wherever we want it to go. Um, basically... I remember living on my own in my own apartment by myself working three jobs to make ends meet while other people who are perfectly capable of working sit in their 500 for rent townhouse not working and popping out more kids and frankly I am not prepared to hear the argument on how staying home with kids is the same as working because I respect stay-at-home moms but the people that just sit in welfare and pop out kids for the paycheck, that's a totally different story. And you can argue with me on that if you want, but that's just my opinion. And I know multiple people who live on welfare, who ride the system out, who could work three jobs, who could work at McDonald's if they wanted to, but they won't degrade themselves in that way. And that's such bullshit. I'm sorry. I've worked Wendy's which was fucking embarrassing because, you know, you're in your 20s, you don't want to be caught working at Wendy's, but I had bills to pay. And you know what? You do what you gotta do. And that's my firm belief. If you have to work multiple jobs, you work multiple jobs. But I digress. I'll leave that for now. Basically, what I'm talking about right now is I work in a hospital, which is a union, and there is someone, a coworker, that is abusing the union system. And while the rest of us are struggling with mental illness, struggling with physical illness, struggling to make ends meet, struggling to work through everything, we still come to work. We still do our best. And this person just barely comes to work and when they come to work, they have a high and mighty attitude and they've worked the system so they have a special chair so that they get special treatment. So it's just, it's unfair. And I just let this person be because they didn't do anything directly to me. I didn't agree with the way that they were running. 
but I let it be. It's not my place. Well, they've officially messed with me in the sense that they are affecting my work. So they're claiming their shoulder hurts. They have arthritis and this is why they miss so much work. And I'm sorry. (laughs) I have to laugh a little bit because I have tendonitis in my shoulder and you will never hear me complain. You will never hear me ask for preferential treatment, demand a special chair for it, demand that these special stands be put on a monitor so that they can be higher and blah, blah, blah. You won't ever catch me doing that. And this person is missing work. They show up and they're demanding things and they're giving everybody attitude. And it's just, I'm not having it. How you doing down there? You, you doing okay with the bumps? You liking the cup holder right now? You still with me? Okay. So basically I got mad because I'm trying to help patients, but these patients, they're elderly, they're hard of hearing, they're short, like whatever it may be, they have trouble seeing over the monitors when they're really high. They can't see me. And if they're hard of hearing, then they can't read my lips. Like they can't see half my face is my point. Not to mention that we have to yell over the screen so that they can hear us. So we like to have our monitors low and it doesn't bother anyone that actually works where I work. This person that's abusing the system, they basically, they work somewhere else in the hospital, but they come and they cover the morning break. They're at our desk for a half an hour, 30 minutes out of the day, and they spend half of that sanitizing, and I'm using air quotations as I'm I'm saying the sanitizing, their workstation. And it's absolutely uncalled for. You want to wipe down your phone and your keyboard and your mouse? Absolutely. Bring your own pen with you. Bring your own whatever you can with you. Like this person rolls their own chair down the hallway so that they can use it over here. But this person spends half the time that they're supposed to be helping sanitizing and reorganizing the desk. So they move every, all the papers out of their way. They readjust the chair that this person is sitting in. They adjust the monitors. They adjust everything. So that the 15 minutes that they're actually working is basically just useless because not only will they not answer the phone, but they sit there and reply to emails instead of actually helping patients. And then this person comes back from their break and they have to redo their whole desk because this person has rearranged everything like the princess that they are. I'm pretty pissed off about it and I'm trying to be articulate and just trying to tell the story, but we'll just, we'll go with it. Okay. And so that upset me and it's sort of, I asked my supervisors if, you know, these stands that this person has demanded, which are now, I'm told, mandatory, they're these big stands that go underneath the monitors to make the monitors higher. Apparently, this person needs it for their shoulder. I'm like, you had no problem using your shoulder to sanitize and adjust the chair and all that, but staring at a monitor is too hard. So, okay, we'll, we'll believe you on that one. But these stands affect everyone else's job. So these stands that this person has demanded for their 15 minutes that they actually work there a day makes everyone else's shifts, which are eight hours long, harder. So that doesn't really seem fair, does it? 
So I asked my supervisors if there's any way that we cannot have these stands. I understand the purpose, but this person is only here for realistically 15 minutes a day. And I listed all the reasons it affects patient care. They didn't care, which pissed me off even more because I'm not sitting there going, listen, this is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. I'm sitting there going, these are legitimate reasons why this is not working. It doesn't work for us. And they basically told me, oh, put in a request and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're telling me that, okay, well, I can remove these stands. I can remove them. But when this person comes back, I have to put them back. Please tell me if this is unreasonable. Because my belief is you need these stands to work. You're only here for 15 minutes. Please bring them with you. Put them under the monitors, do the work, and take them back with you. That's not going to hurt your shoulder because what's more work is you sanitizing everything, moving everything around, and adjusting the chair. That is more work than putting these stands underneath the monitors. But no, I have to move it, and I have to make sure it's there when they come in. And it's just, it seems very unfair, so that set me off on a wrong, wrong binge there. I was raging for most of the day about that. And my anxiety kicked in because I was already in a bad mood. And basically the way that I've been dealing with my anxiety lately is I have been power cleaning the house. So reorganizing, going through every nook and cranny, getting rid of anything we don't need, trying to find a place for everything so there's no more piles. For whatever reason, this is working for my anxiety. So I'm not going to question it, right? Just whatever works for each person works. Well, yesterday I was homesick. I don't know what it was. I was nauseous and my stomach wasn't agreeing with me. But I cleaned the house. I made chili. I re... I got rid of... Ooh, this is bumpy. (laughs) I got rid of all of my filing paperwork that I didn't need. Like, I cleaned house. And part of my wanting to clean the bathroom is because it's so small, is I have been asking for a year and a half. I will repeat, a year and a half for shelves for the bathroom because we don't have counter space and I want to put everything that's on a counter onto a shelf instead. Well, I finally get these damn shelves and I get a text from my fiance saying, I think your shelves arrived. And I was like, please tell me, like, please open them and tell me where in the bathroom they would look good. Not only did he not open them, but he didn't even look. He didn't look. And when I asked him, like, if he was going to install them, all of a sudden he's got anxiety and he, he, you know, I'm supposed to know that he's not good at the manly tasks. And I'm sitting there going, well... I didn't specifically ask you to install them. First of all, I asked you where they would look good, and you didn't even open the box. Which, of course, has me spiraling, thinking that this thing, this one thing that has been holding me together, which is cleaning and organizing, it's a step forward, these shelves. It's a step forward to me feeling better. And he couldn't be bothered to open the box. He instead went to a friend's house, and... I was foolishly, secretly hoping that he would just 
install them while I was at work. Now, please tell me if this is absolutely unreasonable. Because, okay. I was just checking to make sure you were still there. Because for me, I'm... I have a logical brain and I have an emotional heart. So logically, I can understand, okay, he was probably waiting for me to get home. It's my package. He was probably waiting for me. But my heart is like, why the fuck doesn't he care? Like, this is really important to me. Why couldn't he just open the damn box and be a part of my team to support me? And even though it seems small, it matters to me. And for him to show me, it matters to him. Like... These are two very conflicting thoughts that I have to deal with daily, and it's so hard. I almost wish I logically didn't know the difference. I almost wish that I could just react based on what I'm feeling, but life just doesn't work that way. And, you know, a smart, mature person knows the difference between what you're feeling and what's an actual logical response. And this has taken basically my whole life to figure out because I would get just absolutely wrecked and upset over the smallest things. My family would just be awful to me about it. They'd be just mean. And why the fuck you always... There she goes... Excuse me. There she goes crying again. Oh my God. There's Mandy crying again. Instead of trying to understand. And now I'm like, okay, I'm at an point I'm 29 I'm at a point where I can understand the difference but that doesn't make it hurt any less so I'm just fucking pacing at work because I feel myself about to go over the edge I feel myself about to fall apart and have a full-blown anxiety attack and I'm at work so I'm panicking I'm panicking going what the fuck am I gonna do I don't know how to get out of this one. I'm, I, I'm at work. I have none of my coping mechanisms at work. I can't just put on a TV show. I can't just smoke some weed. I can't just, like, I had nothing. And I could just feel myself starting to hyperventilate. I could feel myself starting to panic. And my chest was getting tight. And I was going, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm sitting there getting mad at the same time. Because why the fuck couldn't he just care? Why couldn't he just... And this is really unfair of me to demand, but why why couldn't he just be a manly man that can install shelves for me? And that is absolutely unreasonable. And logically, I can understand that. I can understand that demanding that somebody be good at something is absolutely unrealistic. Like, I can understand why hanging things and building things would give him anxiety because what if you fuck it up? I absolutely get that. You've got somebody relying on you. In this case, it's me. He's got me relying on him and that's a lot of pressure. So I absolutely logically get that. But at the same time, okay, car, why are you telling me to break? I'm good. I'm paying attention. Would you focus? I'm driving home, and my first thought is is I don't want to go home. I don't want to go home because I don't want to have the conversation that's going to hurt him, which is me going, I just want to be alone right now because I need to figure out what the fuck I'm feeling, but 
But whenever I say I want to be alone right now, he gets real hurt about it as if it's a personal attack. And I can see why he would feel that way, but that's not my intention. My intention is, is I just don't want to be touched. And he's very loving and very affectionate. 99% of the time, I am absolutely just as affectionate. Like, please hug me, kiss me, hold me, hold my hand. But when I'm upset, I don't want to be touched. I'm mad and sad and shaking and I'm barely holding myself together. And you're going to, the minute you touch me, I am going to fall apart. And I just spent all this time holding myself together. I'm like, does that make any sense? Please let me know if that makes sense to you because I feel like 90% of the time I am holding myself together with duct tape and glue. I feel like I'm swimming up river and I am drowning. And I'm just, I'm using all of my effort, all of my energy to keep me going, to keep me together and to keep me functional. And the minute that that person shows me sadness, I feel like I'm going to just break. And I'm driving home and I'm barely going the speed limit because I'm just dragging my feet because I'm just not wanting to fall apart. I am not in the mood. I've spent two days trying to hold myself together and I can't do it. I can't fall apart right now. Because I don't know how I'm going to pull myself together in order to go to work tomorrow. If I break tonight, I'm going to go to bed at like three in the morning, just broken and sad. I'm wake up just as broken and sad and I just can't do it. I just, th- do you ever, please let me know if you ever feel this way too. Because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And I know that it doesn't make any sense. But I want people to give a shit about me. I want people to ask me how I'm doing. I want people to check in and to ask me to hang out and to do all of that stuff. But at the same time, I want to be fucking alone. Like, just leave me alone. Just, if I could do me on a beach or on a cliff just overlooking the ocean or whatever, if I could do that, I'd be so happy. I could just sit there with my thoughts and feel the wind on my face and smell the ocean and hear the birds and feel the grass under my fingers and just be quiet. Be quiet and have a moment to be thankful for everything that I have. I feel like I'm so busy holding myself together that I forget to stop and notice what's around me. And I feel like that's just part of mental illness. What do you think? I feel like I'm so caught up trying to make sure I don't ever fall apart again. And I know that I will. I know that it's inevitable. I know it's part of anxiety and depression. I know that we we fall off the wagon regularly. Like, regularly. It's not something that we can control. We can cope as best we can, but we fall off the wagon. And we fear falling off the wagon. It's different from 
being an addict. It's... I should say it's different than being a substance abuse addict. Because we're addicted to good days. We're addicted to days where even if they're just boring, regular, nothing happened days. We're addicted to days where we don't feel sad. Addicted to days where we're not mad or frustrated or confused or panicked. Those days are so fucking rare sometimes that it's like, oh my god, it's like an addict getting their first hit in years. It's a breath of fresh air. It's like, oh my god, it's like sticking your head above the clouds and getting your first breath of fresh air. Or walking through a thick, dense forest and feeling like there's no air feeling like it's muggy and hot and humid and then you get out of that forest and it's just fresh breezy air blowing against your sweaty face like it's the best feeling and it's it's a high like no other it's a high you never want to come down from it's a high you do anything to not come down from and this is why people turn to substance abuse This is why people turn to suicide. It's because anything is better than falling back into that hole. Anything is better than relapsing. Anything is better. We just want one blissful moment of not thinking. And I know that I myself, I eat edibles and I smoke weed and that's how I cope. I am going to start anti-anxiety medication, but I'm not happy about it. To be honest, I'm mostly doing it for everybody else. Everyone else is scared because when I open my mouth and I tell them the real thoughts and the real feelings in real time that's going through my head, they get scared. And I know that it sounds like a cry for help, but in reality, it's just me voicing what's going on in my body what's going on in my head what's going on in my heart and I wish that they would trust me to tell them when I'm reaching a point of no return when I'm reaching a point where I don't think I can go on and suicide is looking like a really good option I have been to that place before thinking I can't do this I can't go through one more fucking minute of feeling like this. And I'm not going to go there again. And I know that if I start to get there, I will ask for help. I know that because in a time of crisis, I did it before. So I'm not in fear of myself, but everyone else is in fear of me. And what I need is for them to love me through it instead. I just need them to, God, just listen. I don't need you to fix it. I need you to go, I get it. And you know what? I get why you feel that way. Like, it's not hard. We just want people to listen. Everyone just wants a listening ear. And it's hard for us too, to be the listener and be the sympathetic ear to other people with anxiety and depression because we relate so much that we want to start talking about how we feel 
and how we deal with things. And that's not what they're asking for. Unless they specifically ask. Like, they're just looking for somebody to go, I get it. Well, how has this car ride home been for you? How's the cup holder been? You doing good down there? I'm just driving up to my building now. I'm going to go face the music. But as usual, I feel a little bit better having talked it out. Which is part of the purpose of this podcast. It's not only to just get it off my chest, but to give all of you someone to relate to if you need to. And (laughs) as this is the end of my day, I am hoping that you have a really good night. And I send all my love. Bye.